There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian. Dakota Lawson. On this podcast... I'll tell him a story from history, and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. So, Coda, that's like the second last time we're going to say our intro that way. Oh, yes, because we're changing it, right? Yeah, I have some thoughts up my sleeve. Okay, that's we haven't, you haven't officially landed on anything. Though, no, yeah. I haven't. I just okay. think, and listeners, you can let us know, I just think that having that big, long intro... Well, one of two things could be annoying or two could be soothing and oddly calming for our listeners. So you should let us know, listeners. Yeah, yeah. let us know if uh, the sounds of my sultry voice calm you. Sound like a little bit of a serial killer there. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So on today's episode, any guesses? It's Christmas related, I assume. You asked me a question in relation to what would you like to know about Christmas? And I asked you... If it was about the podcast, he said, no, da, da, da. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> yes. uh, I don't know. I, I suggested uh, some sort of history about uh, Christmas and um, how it relates to uh, why is it on Jesus' birthday, but also it's not actually Jesus. It's not actually Jesus' birthday, right? It's like a day they just picked. Yeah, we'll get tonight. into it. Okay, we'll so that's it. part of this? Yeah, so this day of today, we will be talking about Christmas traditions. Ooh, how fun. And, and getting into our Christmas traditions, perhaps. Yours and mine? Well, there's things we've oh, done. Oh, that'd be cool. Wow, yeah. I don't know, just things that we do and Look stuff. Look at you. And, you what know, we could, uh, I'm actually going to write down to ask people what their Christmas traditions are. <gasps> Look at you engaging with our audience on socials. Yeah. Yeah. So sit down, buckle up, and get ready to listen to the history of Christmas traditions. by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. So this is our last episode of the year, Dakota. No, it's not. Second last episode of the year. Well, it's our last, like, real episode of the year. Next yeah. year is your... Next week is your clips. Yeah, so. sure. It's coming up fast. I better... I mean, I, did, I have done some stuff, but, like, then I started procrastinating. Of course you so, did. like, I've got to get... I got to finish it. I'll do a bunch of work tomorrow on it. So yeah, and we got to get engagement from the audience. Right. Yes. I have a little bit. Uh, yeah. But... I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. This <laughs> job is so hard. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, listeners, get your clips in. I said that on purpose because it makes you yeah. <laughs> feel things. Um. Anyways, uh, what's your golden nugget? Yeah. So, we went to uh, King Me the other day with a couple of friends. And uh, it's a board game cafe. Uh, cafe, 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 in uh, in the city here, and we got some uh, a bowl of candy, like those five cent Oopies candies. Oopies candy, oopies candy. So we got a bunch of oopies candies uh, <laughs> in a bowl, and it was like so delightful. There was Coke bottles. Uh, what else? Dinosaurs. Wait, is the candy your golden nugget? Well, it started as the king me, but it's slowly turning into uh, the candy. The candy. <laughs> uh, there was oh Swedish berries, which yeah. I love the texture of those, mm-hmm. the soft squishiness. Yeah, mmm, yummy. Uh, but anyways, so yeah, we played uh, g- uh, games, and uh, uh, we just played this really good game called Red Flags. Yes, which is basically it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity, but you've got to make there's one single person. And you got to set them on a date, up on a date with this 
great person that you know that's like you make up yeah that you make up and they're gonna be perfect for this person but then another member of the crew throws you a red flag that they have and you have to try to defend the red flag and why they're still worth dating dating one of the red flags for instance was the person is always covered in ants (laughs) so i think that one was the hardest one to defend there was real no no real defense for <laughs> always being covered in always ants. being covered in ants i know but... like you sleep and you're covered in ants like this yeah is... like they get to, in your to, ear to quote archer that's how you get ants <laughs> so <laughs> yeah that was a fun yeah. night yeah yeah we had um, we laughed like so it was about 9 30 and we had the option to keep playing games and i was like i can't like i'm physically in pain yeah from laughing too hard like yeah it was i had to go home (laughs) it was probably the most i laughed in a couple years Uh, my heart actually hurt yeah uh from it so so we're just really out of shape apparently (laughs) that laughter hurts yeah (laughs) yeah i guess so so i so red flags is the game so i definitely recommend that that's on this week's uh dakota says buy it we're not sponsored by them no but I'm just throwing out like a, a new segment mm. idea, like yeah, Dakota, okay. Dakota says, you know, buy it, buy it. Oh, I could make a song. We have a jingle. Dakota says, buy it, you buy it, you buy it. Dakota says, buy it, you buy it. You better fucking buy it. Uh, That's the uncensored version. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And then a uh, quick other one. Oh, you got two. I'm just going to th- throw this out here. Okay. This is a future golden nugget. I haven't told you this yet, Ooh. but what? we're watching a movie tonight. <gasps> with and popcorn? With popcorn. I'm there. And for it because there's movies coming out at the end of December and we Is need it to get on Krampus? it. So we need to either watch The Matrix One oh. or Avengers Infinity War. And I know you don't want to because you don't want to see I can't I don't think I can watch the last Avengers movies. Why not? So I have become Spo- attached. spoiler for uh, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame for the next couple minutes. People die. Yes, that's the spoiler. Should give them a little bit of a like. Sorry, <laughs> break to, but yes. So most of them die. They most of them come back. I know. Though, right? So Dakota and I have watched these movies together before. It was actually like one of our f- couple first couple dates. We watched uh, Infinity War together. It was good. I was entertained. I was intrigued. Um, but we did our Marvel rewatch, and if I have to watch Infinity War and Endgame now, knowing these characters, it makes me very anxious and i'm very uncomfortable and i don't want to watch it that's fair but i think you should anyways because oh. <laughs> they're great movies and now that you have that all that i don't want to feel things about them i don't want to feel anything you have to i don't want R- to ridley scott director of the first alien movie uh like yesterday or today said uh that superhero movies are terrible uh and that there's the scripts are horrible. And he also told an interviewer to fuck off. Why? <laughs> a couple of days ago. The, the interviewer... Is he having a hard time with the, his life right the, now? I don't know. He's just an asshole, I guess. Mm. The other day, uh, a, an interviewer gave him a, a compliment, in, but it was sort of backhanded, I guess, which was like, the newest movie that he did looks even better than the last movie he did, mm. or the last couple. But like... You know, like, I would take that as, oh, you're even getting better. And Ridley Scott said, fuck you. Wow. <laughs> fuck you, sir. Go on. <laughs> oh, okay. And I was like, damn, this guy's just an asshole. Right. So. So I have to watch these movies to be like, fuck you, Ridley Scott? Yes, exactly. Mm. That's my point. So we're watching The Matrix tonight. Then. Sounds like it. Okay, sounds good. What is your golden nugget, dear? Um, so I guess my golden nugget, I just got back from breakfast with my sister, and we went to Giant Tiger and Dollarama afterwards, because as much as I hate capitalism, I also live in a capitalistic world, and do sometimes get distracted by shiny things. That's true. When you said you called me after breakfast, and you were like, oh, we just went for, we just went for breakfast, and, uh... Uh, we just went to Dollarama and Giant Tiger. I was like, huh, that's a weird place to go to breakfast. But Yeah, we didn't eat there. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> that's good. Fool. Uh, so what did you get for breakfast? Uh, I'm not excited about the breakfast. I'm excited about the stuff that I got from Giant Tiger. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Oh, what did you have for breakfast? Toast and eggs and bacon. That's boring. Yeah. Uh, what did you get from Giant Tiger? Yes. So we are going to have a family outfit to wear on Christmas morning. And 
I can't say what it is because I don't want. Okay, so not I don't... that our, my parents listen to this podcast, no. so like I don't really have anything well, no, to worry about. They don't about. know how podcasts work. It's true. So <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so uh, do I get to know what's on them? Or well, I told I you what it is. Before? No, you're going to open it on Christmas oh, Eve. Oh, I'm well. opening it too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're going to open them on Christmas Eve. These yeah. Christmas outfits, mm-hmm. and we're going to wear them the next day for Christmas morning to all open our presents, and we're going to look so freaking cute. Perfect. But maybe that could be a future. Like a starting a tradition that we all wear the same thing on That's Christmas. That's right, a tradition. Yeah. Love that. Love mm-hmm. that for us. So, yeah, I don't know. It was just nice. I love, yeah. I love buying Christmas stuff, and mm-hmm. I bought a ton of Christmas stuff today. So, cool. It made I'm, my heart happy. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's going... Christmas is so close. It's weird. It's like already the 5th, and it's just going to friggin' fly by. I think this next two weeks you think for it's gonna be, me well, yeah, going to be you're, slow. Yeah, I mean, I woke up this morning, and this doesn't usually happen. And I was like, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Usually yeah. it's the day of. Yeah. So Yeah, you just, I think you just needed a good break. I need a break. I do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I started this episode by researching the many different holidays that are celebrated in November and December, such as Diwali, Hanukkah, Yule, and Kwanzaa. Uh, but then I felt really weird telling the story of other groups of people's holidays. So I decided to scrap that episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I went back to this episode which is the history of christmas traditions so that's what we're doing okay cool so before christmas was christmas people were long celebrating the winter season centuries before jesus celebrate (laughs) uh christmas is the only thing to look forward to during christmas that's why i think it's in the winter because winter fucking sucks <laughs> well that's why they had these celebrate they had um winter celebrations oh they're like ah this will make us less depressed exactly yeah okay. same idea that's good yeah so centuries before jesus early europeans celebrated light and birth in the darkest days of winter many peoples rejoiced during the winter solstice when the worst of winter was behind them and they could look forward to longer days and extended hours of sunlight in scandinavia the norse celebrated yule from December 21st through January. In recognition of the sun, fathers and sons would bring home large logs, which they would set on fire. The people would feast until the log burned out, which could take as many as 12 days. <laughs> Just like they're in pain from eating so much. They're like, Papa, I don't want to eat your turkey leg. The fire <laughs> isn't out yet, son. <laughs> Papa, no. The Norse believed that each spark from the fire represented a new pig or calf that would be born during the coming year. Mm, Sounds like some hippie shit to me. In Germany, people honored the pagan god Odin, which is not to be confused with the Norse god Odin. Uh, What? (laughs) The pagan god in Germany is O-D-E-N, and the Norse god is O-D-I-N. So they're two different gods. So this is a tomato-tomato sort of situation. Well, they're two different gods. Some say Odin, some say Odin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Germans were terrified of Odin, as they believed that he made nighttime flights to the sky to observe his people, and would then decide who would prosper or perish. So that reminds me of, like, Santa and his naughty or nice list. Yeah. Was it random, or was it based on anything? Just, like, if they were a good boy or a bad boy? Um, I didn't know. I didn't find that. Mm. Just, Just for a different sake. Let's say it's just random. Yeah. So because of his presence flying through the sky, many people would choose to stay inside that night. That's fair. Was he evil? I guess so. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. In Rome, they celebrated the god of agriculture, Saturn. He sounds fucking boring. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I am the god of agriculture. That would be a really important thing to worship when you were an ancient person, because you're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to grow enough crops to feed myself, so I should probably worship this, this god to make sure I get enough food. Yeah, but like being the god of agriculture would suck. Fair. You know, it's like, you know, you got... I know they're different religions and stuff like that, but, like, you got other gods like uh, Zeus, you know, mm. and just, like, Thor, mm-hmm. um, Loki. Just I, Those are <laughs> three that I know of <laughs> um, that are so much more badass. And then it's like, hey, I'm from Canada. I'm the I'm the god of agriculture there, uh, but you want to go for a rip there, bud? <laughs> That's what he sounded like. Yeah. Beginning in the week leading up to the winter solstice and continuing for a full month, Saturnalia, which is the festival's name, was a hedonistic time when food and drink were plentiful and normal Roman social order was turned upside down. For a month, enslaved people were given temporary freedom and treated as equals. Wow. 
Businesses and schools were closed so that everyone could participate in the holidays' festivities. I so, wonder how much, how many drugs those people did. They were just like, let's go crazy. Like, we're done with, you know, slavery for yeah. a month. Let's just, like, party like it's... What's a good 99. party year? 99, Instead yeah. of 1999. Come on, it was a good joke! No, I didn't get it. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I thought you meant 1999, but that's that's pretty good, Thank actually. Thank wow, that's, a, that's the kind of humor we bring. We bring smart, clever humor we to do. this podcast. Yeah, I, um, I like that idea, though. A whole month and a bit of just being like, I'm going to eat and yeah. drink everything. And also orgies. Yes. The, well, <laughs> that does sound nice. But uh, it just reminds me of, I don't know, I think this is a real thing. But it was made fun of in the movie Sex Drive, which is like a teen comedy. Great movie. Uh, with the Hutterites, not Hutterites. What are the people that are like the Hutterites? Amish. Amish. Amish uh, how they, they have like a period... Um, where they do get to like leave. Their oh yeah, community. they do that. That's a real thing, right? Yeah. But in in Sex Drive, they just turn into a real a real goof of a time. Oh, you know? okay. But uh, yeah, similar idea, yeah. I guess. You yeah. Know. Christmas became a Christian tradition sometime in the fourth century, so four hundred years after Jesus's death. Christians were like, "This is ours now." Basically. <laughs> Prior to this, Easter was the most significant Christian holiday. Evidence suggests. That Jesus' birth may have occurred in the spring, as shown by the shepherds being herding their animals. Mm, and we decided, ah, let's just throw it to winter, you know? Yes. However, Pope Julius I chose December 25th as his birth day. And it is commonly believed that the church chose this date in an effort to adopt and absorb the traditions of the pagan Saturnalia festival and other pagan festivals. <laughs> so obviously. it was a douche move, you're saying? Yes. <laughs> So everything that we celebrate on Christmas in particular is based on us Christians being assholes. Well, let me tell you, actually. Um, actually. Yes. So it's in this paragraph I'm about to read to you. Go ahead. By holding Christmas at the same time as traditional winter solstice festivals, church leaders increased the chances that Christmas would be popularly embraced. So many of the traditions that exist today have deep roots in pagan celebrations. Christmas is really about bringing out your inner pagan, says historian Kenneth C. Davis. Most of the traditions that we have that relate to Christmas actually relate to the solstice and those pagan traditions. Gift-giving, candle-lighting, singing, decorating houses, all pagan. Christmas trees and mistletoe, also pagan. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So, Christians, do your research, is all I have to say. Got him. By the Middle Ages, Christianity had, for the most part, replaced pagan religions, and on Christmas, believers attended church. Then, they would celebrate uproariously in a drunken, carnival-like atmosphere similar to today's Mardi Gras. Yeah, it sounds... I think that's what Jesus wanted, right? It's I just, think he would! I think he'd be like, yeah, let's get drunk! Uh, <laughs> actually, the Bible says something about not getting too drunk and fucked up. Mm, it's, I think that's the quote. Uh, Jesus said unto his fellow man, do not get drunkened up and fucked up. That's fair. Yes. Each year, a beggar or a student would be crowned the Lord of Misrule, and eager celebrants played the part of his subjects. What did he do? What was this role? That, like, he was it was the a Lord king, of a Lord? Misrule. But, so, but, like, he had power in this role. Well, no, because he's a beggar or a student. But well, let no, me no, keep no, going. No, sorry. The, the, hold on. Before you keep going. The role he was playing was someone who had power. Yes. Oh, that's kind of nice. They were like, hey, you fucking beggar or student, which apparently are the same. <laughs> uh, you, you will have power in this role. Yeah. Because you'll never have power in real life. Right. The poor would go to the houses of the rich and demand their best food and drink. If owners failed to comply, their visitor would likely terrorize them with mischief. <laughs> Pants <laughs> Christmas became the time of year when the upper classes could repay their debt to society by entertaining less fortunate citizens. There's more about the history of Christmas, including why and how it was cancelled in America, but that's for another time. Oh, uh, no, sorry, you say for another time, but that wasn't that like uh, like a number of years ago, like like in schools and stuff like that or whatever, they weren't like doing anything with Christmas. Is that part of it? No, that's a different thing. So the because of other religions and stuff. So yeah, because there's a bunch of different holidays that actually happen, and it's very Eurocentric to be like we're only going to celebrate Christmas. So 
it's it's a way to be more inclusive. Right. But no, in the 1800s or maybe the 1600s, I can't remember. Um, the Puritans were like, Christmas is too much celebration. We need to be more strict about it. So they canceled Christmas and were like, you can only go to church on the 25th and that is it. You right. can't have any like Christmas trees or celebrations because they were like, that's not biblical. Oh, that's dumb. All right, so I'm going to tell you about, uh, I think, eight specific traditions that exist and why they exist. Okay. So number one, Christmas trees. Long before Christianity, plants and trees... galaxy far, far away. Plants and trees that remained green all year had a special meaning for people in the winter. Ancient peoples hung evergreen boughs over their doors and windows. In many countries, it was believed that evergreens would keep away witches. So we should probably put some evergreens up so Kaylee can't get in. (laughs) (laughs) She she comes to the door. We're just like looking out the window, just peering at her. (laughs) It also kept away ghosts, evil spirits, and illness. In the Northern Hemisphere, the shortest day and the longest night of the year falls on December 21st or 22nd and is called the winter solstice. Many ancient people believed that the sun was a god and that winter came every year because the sun god had become sick or weak. They celebrated the solstice because it meant at last the sun god would begin to get well. Evergreen boughs reminded them of all the green plants that would grow again when the sun god was strong and summer would return. Ancient Egyptians and Romans both filled their homes with different forms of greenery during these darkest nights, signifying that the summer would soon return and planting with it. So it's basically just putting up these trees and stuff uh, and this greenery to be like, ah, better times are upon us. Yeah, that they're coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And how depressing is that, 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 I mean, here in Canada especially, that's kind of our reality. It's like, mm-hmm. we just like survive for these the next few months. We're just like, ah, this is depressing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's true. In Northern Europe... The Druids also decorated their temples with evergreen boughs as a symbol of everlasting life, and the Vikings in Scandinavia thought that the evergreens were a special plant of the sun god Baldr. The Christmas tree tradition as we know it, however, is credited with Germany in the 16th century when devout Christians brought decorated trees into their homes. Some built Christmas pyramids of wood and decorated them with evergreens and candles if wood was scarce. It is a widely held belief that Martin Luther, the 16th century Protestant reformer, first added lighted candles to a tree when he was walking toward his home one winter evening, composing a sermon. He was awed by the brilliance of stars twinkling amidst the evergreens. To recapture Was this, this his dream? Was... I'm guessing this isn't actually King Jr. Is, is this King Jr.? No, this is just Martin Luther. Yeah. Not King Jr. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, I figured this was... But wait... We... Here's a question. Mm-hmm. This is just, I'm going to throw this out there. I don't know uh, basically anything about Martin Luther King Jr. or otherwise, other than he had a dream. Yeah. But what's their relation? Is that his dad is a long further Well, past... Martin Luther King Jr. is a black man, and Martin yes. Luther is a... Wait, there's no relation? German dude. There's no relation? From the 16th century. That's my question. There's no relation? There's no relation. Well, that's just confusing. They just have the same name. Oh, jeez. That's confusing. I don't like that. There's probably another Dakota Lawson on the world. There's definitely another Elizabeth Lawson. Yeah. She's your aunt or something. Huh. Did that blow your oh, mind? Oh, yeah, yeah. She is my aunt. <laughs> I do ha- I do have an Elizabeth Lawson that is my aunt. I was like, huh, yeah, maybe. But yeah, I do have that. So uh, All right. my mind's blowing. Continue. So Martin Luther walking through the trees, looking at the stars, being like, wow, that's really pretty. To recapture the scene for his family, he put a tree in the main room and strung its branches with lighted candles. So that's a rumor, and we're not sure if that's true. Mm. (laughs) Scathing rumor against Martin Luther. (laughs) I wonder if, I wish I could do a German accent, because I would be like, say, I I have a dream, but in a German accent. That would be funny. I just, I'm sorry, I'm not great with accents, everybody. That's fair. In the 19th century, most Americans thought that Christmas trees were weird. The first record of one being on display was in the 1830s, and it was put up by German settlers in Pennsylvania. There were earlier communities of German settlers in America having trees, but for the most part, Christmas trees were seen as pagan symbols and not accepted by most Americans. To New England Puritans, Christmas was sacred, and they tried hard to stamp out pagan mockery of the holiday, penalizing any frivolity. So that's kind of what I was talking about when they were canceling it. 
So they were like, if you're having fun on Christmas, you are a bad person. (laughs) And I still believe that to this day. Oliver Cromwell preached against the heathen tradition of Christmas carols, which that blew my mind when I read that. Like, they weren't even allowed to sing, like, oh, holy night. Well, here's the thing. I, I support this fellow because carols suck balls. He also preached against decorated trees and any joyful expression that desecrated the sacred event. Yeah, well, I mean, you are going to hell for what you've done to this house, so. In fact, in 1659, the General Court of Massachusetts enacted a law making any observance of December 25th, other than going to church, a penal offense. People were fined for hanging decorations, not penis. <laughs> what? How can, why would you think I would think I that? Because I know you. <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. I was only thinking about penal offenses, which are different than penis offenses. This continued until the 19th century when the influx of German and Irish immigrants undermined the Puritan legacy and they brought fun with them. Imagine that. Germans, Germans being more fun than like the New England people. <laughs> that is a, that is a wacky world. The Christmas tree really gained popularity in England with Queen Victoria and her German husband, Albert. They were sketched in the Illustrated London News standing with their children around a Christmas tree. And what was done in Victoria's court became popular with her subjects, and the tree became immediately fashionable. Ooh. By the 1890s, Christmas ornaments were arriving from Germany, and the Christmas tree popularity was on the rise. Today, it is estimated that 77% of American households display a Christmas tree in their home. Here's a question. Mm -hmm. So, you said that it became fashionable at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there ever a world where it goes out of style? Yeah, probably. You think so? Oh, yeah. Where we just like are like Christmas trees, like gross. We do Christmas lasers. <laughs> probably. That's future. Probably. So. <laughs> yeah, probably. Obviously, things change all the time, right? True. But uh, sorry, what, what time period was this particular at? Uh, 1890s-ish. Okay. So it hasn't been terribly long that they've been in style right yeah well longer for germans but yeah but it's interesting i wonder yeah i wonder how long it'll take before they uh get rid of christmas trees yeah i hope not in my lifetime god for my sake i hope not because you'll just be crying every day because you gotta stay in fashion but you'll be like i love christmas (laughs) because that's how you sound that is so number two christmas pickles (laughs) (laughs) christmas pickles you're, yeah. you're, you're talking about all this kind of phallic imagery, you know, <laughs> penal pickles, penal penises. code. Penal code is a, a a certain type of law, like the the punishment law. Yeah, that's like saying, uh, freaking, you know, like I'm really anal about things, you know. Mm-hmm. It means a different thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, mom and dad's tree has, I think, a, two Christmas pickles. <laughs> what? They, yeah, they have Christmas pickles. Yeah. So I don't get it, but it's a tradition. Uh, I want a Christmas pickle. Well, we could get one. Sure. Do we get to eat? Christmas? No, they're ornaments. But can you get Christmas pickles that you eat? We can eat pickles at Christmas time. You could put like peppermint on the pickles? Ew. I don't know. Don't knock until you've tried it. So Christmas pickles are an American tradition of hiding the pickle ornament so that the first child who finds it wins a gift or hiding gets to- Hiding the pickle? Stop it. Okay. <laughs> gets- yeah. Or gets to open the first present on Christmas morning. Yeah, if you can find the hidden pickle, you get to open a present. Oh. That's a sick game. Stop it. I can't. <laughs> this is just who I am. Yeah. <laughs> the origins of this tradition are a bit unclear, but it's believed that it grew from a Woolworths marketing gimmick from the late 1880s, when the retailer received imported German ornaments shaped like a pickle, and they needed to sell them, so they made a sales pitch in order to get rid of them. This won't do it all. We gotta sell these pickles fast. <laughs> I might just be a small town marketing executive. <laughs> I might just be a small town marketing executive, but we gotta sell these pickles. We gotta go. Go, go, go. All right. The third tradition, Elf on the Shelf. Oh, I've heard of this one. I... Is an Elf on the Shelf not fashionable anymore? Well, no, I think people are still doing it. So, I like... thought it... I, I... Maybe I'm pulling this out of my ass, but <laughs> no, I was gonna say maybe I'm pulling this out of my penal. But 
But, You're like, I wasn't going to say it. No, this no, is no, what I wasn't going to no, say. No, no, no. I was, I was trying to say that, but I didn't know how to say it. And now I figured it out. So I may be just pulling this out of my penal. But uh, I, I thought Elf on the Shelf, like, as of, like, this year or something, like, wasn't a thing anymore. Again, I think I'm just pulling that out of my pickle. <laughs> I think people still do it. A lot of my friends who have, like, young age kids are showing like have their instagram stories with elf on the shelf oh okay we are never doing it so tell me what it is because i've always heard of it but i've never known what it is all right so it's my least favorite christmas tradition okay i will never do it okay it has been around since 2005 when parents would hide a toy elf um each night from american thanksgiving to christmas day hide the toy elf what is this hide the pickle again this is dirty no so this elf will just like show up and then the kids have to find it and it's basically like the elf is spying on the kids for santa so if they're bad santa won't give them a gift oh so i just i just and then like do they have cameras in them or is it just no it's just like a trick right and then like People will have their elves doing, like, wild things and, like, ziplining across the house. Or they'll be like, I don't know. There's, it's just, I'm just like, seriously? It's too extravagant? It's so what? extravagant. And this is me having, wanting four Christmas trees being like, That's this true. Is- if this is too much for you, this tradition can go the fuck into hell. It just grinds my gears. It just grinds your gears, hey? Well, I think what it really is, is the... the th- and, and if you do elf on the shelf, I am not coming for you. You do you, boo-boo. Hey. If you do Elf on the Shelf, fuck you. <laughs> that's not what we're saying. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what Dakota's saying. I just, for me, well, and you know how I feel about telling our kids about Santa. I just don't want to yeah. lie to them. And to trick them into being good. Yeah. Just, we, that, it, that's something that we, uh, we're we going to discuss more as we uh, potentially have a child. is Because I always grew up having, like, being told that, Santa was a thing. But then when uh, my sister pinned me down in a chair to tell me that, you know, at the young age of like 12 or something, (laughs) that Santa wasn't a thing, I was devastated and I cried. And also, here's a side note. Just thinking about it. My niece, our niece, is 12 now. Mm. She's known that Santa wasn't a thing for like five years. So maybe it wasn't the young age. Anyways, mom didn't want to tell me and break my little heart. So... Yeah, and, and I did actually also see a thing, um, some actor who we must live by everything they say, uh, said that uh, the key to parenting is never lie to them, even about Santa. That's what my parents believed in. So mm. I, Kaylee, and I never believed in Santa. Yeah. We, a good thing that we were obedient children, sort of, that we never told anybody yeah, that well, they didn't exist. That's the thing, is that there were those kids in my school that were the assholes that were like, oh, Santa doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, I don't want our kids to be those assholes. So well, let's just raise them to not be assholes. Yes. And I, like, I just, I don't want to lie to our kids and be yeah. like, Santa is real. And then also, like, then we can't take credit for the cool Christmas gifts. That's true. <laughs> well, they'll be like, we'll give them, uh, like, because there'll be obviously mom and dad presents and be like, Mom and Dad, you suck. Santa gave me 15 presents. You gave me this one Or book. Santa gave me a PlayStation? Yeah. And then what's this? Oh, Santa, you gave me an elf. Pajamas? Uh, yeah. Right? Pajamas. Like, Mom and Dad, you suck. Yeah. So, so Santa, Christmas really is all about taking credit. <laughs> <laughs> that is the main theme of Christmas. Anyways, yeah. I just, I it makes me feel icky. I don't like the idea of Santa as a... Well, yeah, I don't like home invaders either. <laughs> I like Santa as a Christmas ornament. <laughs> you, so when Santa comes uh, to our house, you want me to, like, chop him into bits and make different, like, ornaments? Yep. We, we could have, like... I mean, he's got a... He's a he's a jolly old big fella. We could make, like, probably a bunch of ornaments out of his body. I agree. I'll get the hacksaw. Let's do it. But anyways, back to the elf on the shelf. So... More than 13 million elves have been adopted since 2005 when the book Elf on a Shelf, A Christmas Tradition, uh, which came with the stupid elf toy, was published. Adopted? Yeah, you adopt the elf, and then you put him on the shelf, and he watches you. Well, I now hate this. (laughs) Elf on the Shelf has been bolstered by social media and capitalism. Yeah, classic. Which has inspired parents to make wacky different scenarios for their elves. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's what we do. We do Elf on the Shelf, but we also get, like, a reindeer, <laughs> and we pose it doing weird shit to the reindeer. Okay. <laughs> so, 
Um, I do not want an elf on the shelf. Like in like our that house. that classic uh, Christmas song. Uh, the elf was having sex with a reindeer. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number four, the Yule log. Okay, so back to cool traditions. Yule logs were part of ancient winter solstice celebrations. In fact, the word Yule is an old English word for a festival that was known to take place in December and January. Northern Europeans celebrated the festival of Yule to honor the winter solstice by journeying into the woods in search of a hearty oak tree. The event was a family affair, and each family member would search... I don't feel comfortable with you talking about family affairs. They're related, Elizabeth. (laughs) This is a family show. A family event? That's better, unless the event is an affair. (laughs) And each family member would search for the best cut of wood. They would return with the most robust log they could find and burn it in deference to various gods as well as in celebration of life and prosperity. So the kid had to bring back a log? Yep. So what do they do to the kid that brings back the uh, smaller log log if they just beat it with it? (laughs) (laughs) Like, this one sucks. Boom! (laughs) (laughs) So this is that tradition I was talking about at the beginning. Right. That's what I... uh, When he said Yule log, I was like, I think we already touched on this. Yeah. Um, one European belief held that the log had to catch on fire the first attempt to light it, or else all the inhabitants of the home where it burned would then suffer bad luck. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we wouldn't it would just be turn doing into, so good. <laughs> that would be, like, this would be, like, uh, if you're familiar with the movie's uh, Final Destination, mm. this would be Christmas edition. That's right. Where uh, they would just, like, all of a sudden, death is out to get them <laughs> after this. <laughs> Another stated that the remains of a log must be kept for the following year's ceremony for good luck, which would extend across many following generations. So well, you would, like, you, hand down your log. Yeah, but you don't want to, like, keep the other logs because they've got children's blood on them <laughs> after beating them mercilessly. <laughs> the ashes were sometimes stored under a bed in order to make a home immune to evil spirits and lightning strikes. Yeah, that seems logical. <laughs> Today, the Yule Log is must-see TV. What? Back in 1966, WPIX-TV in New York City... Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) ...aired a continuous 17-second loop of a fireplace for three hours, accompanied with holiday music. This led to an eventual better production and nearly 20 years of annual viewing. Sorry, I thought you meant it was like there was a sitcom about the (laughs) Yule Log... Like, no. the, like the Yule log is a character yeah. and it comes home and it sees its wife, who is a human, cheating on him with Santa or something like that. What? You know? A honey, family affair. Honey, honey, how could you? <laughs> I just, I was over at the mill, which is fucked up that this log works at a mill, <laughs> killing other logs. I would watch this. Yeah, me too. Man, I, I should pitch that to CBS. So today you can watch the Yule log on demand via the internet. Number five. Advent calendars. Oh, yes, which I'm enjoying mine. You have a kinder advent calendar. I have a kinder one, and it's delicious, and I want to eat them all right away. (laughs) I haven't, but every day it's like one little egg, and I'm like, fuck, I want ten of these. (laughs) My advent calendar is the story of Jesus. Yeah, which is like... (laughs) And then there are little ornaments, and they go on the And it doesn't have chocolate, so like it sucks, but... I should have got a chocolate. You really should. I don't know what I was thinking. So let's go into advent calendars. So this tradition is one of the traditions that's actually rooted in centuries of church history, celebrating the underlying spiritual message of anticipation and hope. The purpose is to help Christians remember and reflect on the coming of Jesus. Yeah, that's what I definitely do when I open up my Kinder Surprise. That's what I do. Yeah, and what, that makes you better than me? Hmm? No, because I read it. I read you the story. Yeah, but I'm just mostly just thinking about my chocolate that I just ate. (laughs) Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, meaning arrival or coming. It is part of the liturgical year or church calendar, which dates back over 1,500 years. Advent begins on the fourth Sunday before Christmas Day, so sometimes in November, and leads up to December 25th. Early versions of the calendar tradition started in Germany in 1903 by publisher Gerhard Land, who offered a way for children to count down to Christmas by opening one door or window a day to reveal a Bible passage poem, or small gift. Yeah, I prefer the latter. The tradition began gaining popularity around 1920, and now the calendars have evolved into secular calendars that include daily gifts such as mini bottles of wine, nail polish, chocolates, and action figures. Uh, and apparently David's Tea does yeah. one. Yeah, one of my co-workers was uh, showing me a video of hers, which is just 
it comes with little packets of tea, which I don't drink tea, but I think it's cool that you can do this with whatever, you know? Yeah, I bet you there are Pokemon advent calendars. Oh my god. I better find that. <laughs> yes. Okay, number six. Cookies and milk for Santa. Yes. I'm familiar with this one. So the original roots of this food tradition go back far, 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 all the way to ancient Norse mythology. So Odin, the Norse Odin, not the German Odin, was said to have an eight-legged horse named Slepnir, which he rode with a raven perched on each shoulder. During the Yule season, children would leave food out for Slepnir in the hopes that Odin would stop by on his travels and leave gifts in return. So he's basically Santa. This continues today in countries such as Denmark, Belgium, and the Netherlands, where children still believe that Santa's sleigh is pulled by horses, and they will leave out carrots and hay to feed the exhausted animals. Other countries have come up with their own versions. British and Australian children leave out sherry and mince pies. I don't remember doing that. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> While Swedish children leave out rice porridge. In Ireland, it's Guinness and cookies, and in France, he gets a glass of wine. So, uh, sorry, which one give it the Guinness? Ireland. So so Ireland is promoting drinking and driving then. Apparently. As is France. Yeah. <laughs> and Britain, because they leave out sherry. Oh, sherry. Okay, that's a alcohol. <laughs> I did not know that. In North America... Or, we... or the, if you have, like, a sibling named Sherry. Yeah. You just be like, we're leaving you out for Santa. <laughs> <laughs> so you can feast on your flash. Oh, no. <laughs> In North America, we have the cookies and milk variety, with Oreos and chocolate chip cookies being the most popular. Oh, I didn't know they did Oreos. I thought it was always just chocolate chips. In North America, this tradition became popular in the Great Depression in a time of economic hardship when many parents tried to teach their children that it was important to give to others and to show gratitude for the gifts they were lucky enough to receive that Christmas. Number seven, ugly Christmas sweaters. Which is your favorite tradition. Yeah. So, yes, it is actually my favorite tradition. I have enough Christmas outfits, Christmas pieces of clothing to outfit myself for the entire month of December. Yes, and it is, it, they're very nice. You you are uh, uh, you have an eclectic taste. In yeah, some of, sweaters. Some of mine are old from like probably the eighties or nineties that I get from Valley Village, and some are new that are new. Yeah, love that for me. Yeah. Oh wait, so here we go. Okay, so I have a plethora of Christmas sweaters and <laughs> leggings and dresses. It was in the script, so there it is written. It's my month of Christmas dressing. Yeah. A Christmas wreath. <laughs> That's an inside joke between yeah, Coda she, and she I. Yeah, she keeps on, like, saying it to people, and then people just don't get it. And I'm like, uh, stop embarrassing me in front of humans. Continue. <laughs> um, so, but where did this tradition come from? Well, apparently, Canada is to blame for the ugly Christmas sweater. To blame? Yeah. <laughs> did, did you write that, or did someone else say that? Um... I probably stole that word from somebody else. Hey, we gave you guys maple syrup, okay? (laughs) Ugly sweaters gained steam in the 1980s when actual mass-marketed ugly sweaters were worn in earnest, so not in irony, uh, and then ended up in thrift stores and backs of closets. According to the Ugly Christmas Sweater Party Book, which exists, the sweaters became a party trend in Vancouver in 2001. However, the authors of the book do say that no one can know for sure who held the first ugly sweater party. Since that time, ugly sweater parties have earned a place on a list called Stuff White People Like. (laughs) In 2008, where author Christian Lander wrote that one of the greatest difficulties of preparing for an ugly sweater party is finding an appropriately tacky sweater. Quote, If you find yourself invited to one of these parties, you must begin your preparations immediately. Craftier white people have been searching used clothing stores since last Christmas, And so, you should not expect to find anything of significant ironic value. The trend has become a multi-million dollar industry, fuck you capitalism, with sweaters popping up on runways and some selling for $600. Holy shit. Yeah. My sweaters are not $600. Thank fuck. (laughs) Number eight. I think this is our last one. Okay. The Invention of Santa. Ah, yes. The most famous one. The legend of Santa Claus can be traced back to a monk named St. Nicholas. We remember mm-hmm. him from last week. We do. He's he's friends with that uh, the guy he met in a bar and his uh, disdain for women. Right. You know? St. Nicholas was born in Turkey around 2080 AD. St. Nicholas gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside helping the poor and sick, 
becoming known as the protector of children and sailors. He gave away all his wealth to his wife who divorced him? (laughs) That's not what I... No. No? (laughs) (laughs) He first entered American popular culture in the late 18th century in New York when Dutch families... There's your friend Nick. Oh, yeah. Gathered Cinder to, Claus. Yes. To gather to honor the anniversary of the death of St. Nicholas, Dutch for St. Nicholas, or Sinterklaas for short. Santa Claus draws his name from this abbreviation. In 1822, a minister wrote a Christmas poem, which is my favorite Christmas poem, mm-hmm. called An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas, which is more popularly known today by its first line, Twas the night before Christmas. Ah, I've heard that before. All through the house. Yeah, I read it to you when we drove back from Dollarama. Because I bought that book. Oh, right, right, right. The poem depicted Santa Claus as a jolly man who flies from home to home on a sled driven by a reindeer to deliver toys. The iconic version of Santa Claus as a jolly man in a red with a white beard and sack of toys was immortalized in 1881, but not by Coca-Cola. I didn't think it was. I know he's their mascot, I guess, but... Well, sort of. So, <laughs> pretentious people will be like, Santa Claus is an invention of Coca-Cola. But he's not actually. Oh. Those people sound dumb. <laughs> um, he was immortalized, actually, by a political cartoonist named Thomas Nast, who drew pictures of that poem to go with the poem. Mm. So there were other versions of Santa around this time, including versions of him as a tall, gaunt man, a man in a Norse's huntsman skin, and also as an elf. Mm. Nast's original paintings were of Santa as a small elf-like figure who supported the Union in the Civil War. That I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. So where does Coke come into this? Well, Coca-Cola's Christmas advertisements helped to solidify the Santa we know today. But again, they didn't create him. So their ads began in 1920, and the first ones that were used by Coca-Cola used a strict-looking Santa Claus. However, in 1930, an artist created a painting of a department store Santa in a crowd drinking a bottle of Coke, so he wasn't related to the Coke people. This painting was then picked up by the Coca-Cola people and used by print ads that Christmas season. Following this, Coca-Cola began placing ads in popular magazines, and the marketing executives wanted to show a more wholesome Santa, so not the evil strict man. That's fair. You don't sell stuff with evil strict men. Yes, who was both realistic and symbolic. For inspiration, the artist turned back to the 1822 poem uh, to use the description of St. Nick as a warm, friendly, pleasantly plump, and human Santa man, not just a man dressed as a Santa. So that's it, Dakota. What do you think? I thought this was really interesting. Best yet? No. Oh. Don't be silly. But it's up there. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I just like talking about all these Christmas stuff and, you know, making my jokes and all that. But uh, I found, uh, you know, the elf on the shelf learning about it because I've I've always heard about it, but have never cared enough to look it up. So uh, now I am more knowledgeable and I'll (gasps) immediately forget. Mm. But fuck off elf on the shelf <laughs> and but if you do elf on the shelf you do you boo boo whatever brings you joy we support that uh elizabeth lawson does not speak for everyone on this podcast <laughs> so out of these i would just want to ask you what's your favorite oh gosh that's hard i mean ugly sweaters i would no, say for you christmas trees oh yeah i guess yeah there's, there's a few that we, we yeah love. like i really do love wearing my christmas outfits mm-hmm but I also love Christmas trees. Which one could I live without? I couldn't live without a Christmas tree. I could I could go without a Christmas sweater. Yeah. Can't do without my tree. That's fair. I personally prefer, like the advent calendar. Oh. The most, even though I haven't done it for many years, but now that I'm like back into it. See, it's a good thing I made you buy that one. I know, because I was just going to buy the cheap one because I'm a cheap asshole. Yeah. But at work, we have those cheap ones and they suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get, so. you're going to get a full Kinder Egg. Yeah. So, but before we get to my rating, I want to ask, uh, or not ask, because I know, but like, let's just talk about what are our traditions that we do here. Like, uh, there's the the cracker things, I think. Yeah, so explain those. Christmas dinner, I think it's a British thing. We have Christmas crackers, and when Christmas Eve, when we have our Christmas dinner, we open these like bang things. They they're like paper, and you pull them open, they go pop. And then inside, they've got little treats and treasures. Yeah, they're like, it comes with like a paper crown that you put on your head. So we all wear a crown at supper. (laughs) Yep. 
and uh, they, it comes with these little, I don't know, there's like, it could be a little pad of paper and a pen or um, magnifying glass, like mm-hmm. anything, just little little cheap things, but they're, you know, it's just fun to do quickly. And uh, yeah, that's a tradition we have. Um, my family, we have a tradition that me and my sister open one gift on Christmas Eve. Yeah, which we, we did too as well. Yeah, so we, Kaylee and I usually open each other's gift. So she'll open the one for me, I'll open the one from her. So that probably started around the time we became teenagers and we're okay. able to buy each other gifts. Cool. Yeah, yeah, we always, I think we did our sibling gifts and like grandparents' gifts um, and then like one present from our parents. Um on christmas eve but uh yeah supper was always uh christmas eve for us yeah so we had a mix did you yeah okay cool um another christmas tradition that we have is we used to get pajamas mm-hmm. i don't know if we still get pajamas as a christmas tradition but when we were younger that was a tradition cool we our thing was we would always uh christmas day you weren't allowed to get dressed that was kind of the oh thing. that's cute yeah it was just like always a thing and as we got older like people started like to get get dressed in the in the day and stuff like that and we kind of lost lost that but my sister Mackenzie, she was like die hard for that and she was always <laughs> pissed when we would get dressed so my rating i will give this 8.6 hmm Family affairs are a sin <laughs> out of 10. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I yeah. Li- I liked it. it I good. thought this was a fun episode. I really yeah. enjoyed doing it. So remember, when you're celebrating Christmas, you're actually celebrating pagan holidays. Yeah. Remember that. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, or tell your friends about us. Indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian or on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast. You can also shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to TheReluctantHistorian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place, for the last episode of 2021. It's a Christmas wreath. <laughs>